My name is Danae Reed, and I want to welcome you to the part of life where mothers do not physically, emotionally, or mentally exist. Welcome to Damn Mom, Really? Which is a podcast that seeks to shed light on grief and open up a conversation about a topic that is often avoided. Again, this is a space for people who have either experienced the loss of a mother or a mother figure, and I am so excited to fellowship with you guys. The contents of these episodes is up to the discretion of both my guests and myself, and I can trust that they are telling the truth just as much as I am as it feels right for them. Also noting that the subject matter can potentially be heavy or triggering we have included a six minute cool down meditation by Liliana Rasmussen at the end of this episode for your pleasure and this soundscape is brought to you by Scott Reed Jr. What's up, y'all? My name is Danae, and I'm here with another episode of my podcast, Damn Mom, Really? And I'm super excited to have a longtime friend here with me, Miss Sunny Morgan, who is just this prolific host and journalist, and we both went to Westchester together. Um, that's our that's how we know each other. But um, when I decided I was going to do this podcast, Sunny was the one of the first people that I thought to have on because she was, at least in my mind, the only person I knew who had lost her mom before me. Right. I, I had known the story of your loss and, and all the things like that. And I just remember feeling like, damn, I can't even imagine what that feels like. And so, you know, years after meeting you, obviously, we're in very similar situations. And so I'm really honored that you wanted to come on and have the conversation about just grief, about your mom, and about how you're feeling. But before we get into anything, I want to ask, what's your mom's name? Angela. Everybody called her Angie. So, Angie. Okay, (laughs) awesome. And how old were you when you lost her? Twelve. Twelve years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, that's at the precipice of adolescence. There's a lot that you still need to learn, still had to be like taught by her. And obviously, you know, losing your mom at 12 and losing your mom at 26, like me, is a lot different. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about your perspectives on grief Mm -hmm. at that age. Like what was going through your mind when you first lost her? So... It like it's weird because I lost my dad nine months prior, so I was just going through a lot at the time. But I don't know. I feel like it just felt like it was obviously confusing. I was like twelve, so I was confused, and I don't know. It was very isolating. Like I don't know. I just immediately felt lonely. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like I, it just felt like every time I lose somebody, or it still feels like. Wait, anytime you lose somebody, it just becomes a little more isolating. Yeah. for me but that's how I felt really isolated a lot and yeah like I just I felt like I was always and I still struggle with it but I feel like I victimized myself a lot again mm. I was 12 so I you know yeah every right to kind of do that but yeah yeah I just felt like yeah just felt isolated like nobody understood what I was going through and like yeah just confused So that victimizing component, I would love to delve a little deeper into that. What has that looked like? How has that sort of transpired for you throughout your life? Because now you're 25. Mm -hmm. um, It's been 13 years and it's something that still persists. So what does that look like in your day-to-day life? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I just like I'm always the type of person that kind of like wants to appear like I can take things on the chin or whatever. But then like, I don't know, I can kind of really get caught up in like, either blaming myself or using my circumstances as like reasonings for why I act Mm -hmm. certain ways or feel certain ways. I don't know. I just feel like it's just my inner child who was never like heard. So it's just like always, anytime I'm in a situation, this is always my inner child. Like, oh my God, like I'm so, it's just, (laughs) I'm so upset and I'm a victim and why does nobody hear me? And like, it always, anytime I'm in like a confrontation or anything, like I feel like I'm always just like, the victim even if I'm not like if I'm like if I've done something wrong to somebody like I'll always find ways to like turn it back to myself like oh because I xyz when I was a kid and my blah 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 I'm like I just I'm so fucked up like I don't know like that's how it comes off in my adulthood which is why I'm trying to like find ways to like fix it or like restructure how that comes off but yeah I just feel like Mm -hmm. I've I call it to my therapist a Cinderella complex like I just feel Mm -hmm. like 
that's how I like kind of grew up. Like all my teachers knew about it. It was kind of not that it was taboo, but you know, people don't talk about it to your face. But I'm sure there were like meetings with teachers, like, oh, like her parents died. Like, don't. Yeah. It just that's how I always felt. Like, just like, oh, like I'm the orphan. Oh, I feel like Cinderella. Like everyone's sorry for me, and like that kind of just carried throughout life. Like I just felt sorry for myself throughout life. And waiting for others to feel sorry for me because I felt like nobody really cared in my family. So many layers, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that idea of people talking about it around you, but not to you. Again, at 12, how do you rationalize that? It's it's confusing and it made me angry a lot of the time. Like, I feel like definitely the, the first two years after all that happened, like, I was very angry and like, fighting back at all these like bullies in like middle school and like just cursing people out like just like, I'm <laughs> I'm mad because yeah. I gotta go home and deal with like all this shit that like you know I'm damn I'm still confused about how a lot of things happen at a, that certain age so, so yeah I was just confused and and like I think the short term was just anger like just mad but yeah mm. So I have a question, a personal question then, because I find that I'm kind of in a space of anger right now, which wasn't necessarily the case at first. I didn't necessarily feel angry, or at least I didn't acknowledge that I felt that. Can you talk a little bit about how anger in regards to grief feels different from just general anger? Because I think that a lot of times, if it's not something that you experience, it's hard to understand that those are just two completely different feelings. Sometimes they're not, but sometimes they are, you know? And and I would love to talk about anger as something that is not as holistic, I guess, um, as people think. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'm really getting into my inner child right now, but I don't know. I just, I'm just thinking about, like, the things I would get mad at and, like, I don't know. I, I just think that it's very warranted for you to feel angry no matter what age you are no matter when you lose somebody like it's it I feel like anger is a part of that process yeah but I don't know I just it's all just confusing and everybody's grief is different so I just feel like I don't I don't know how to speak to everybody else's anger or whatever but I just know that like I feel like a lot of my anger just stemmed from like wanting to be heard or somebody to like feel what I'm feeling or trying to hear what I have to say and like I don't think I got a lot of it when I was younger. So I would just like find ways to either act out or just find ways to get attention or I don't know, like just things like that. Like I just, I use that anger in a way of trying to get somebody to like, it's kind of like a cry for help, you know? It's you. Damn, that's so real. The reason I wanted to talk uh, about that or ask that question is because I feel like for me, at first, I it was hard for me to pinpoint anger because I've never really been an angry person. So it's like there would be certain things that would frustrate me more than they usually would, mm-hmm. uh, like little irritants. And I'm just like pissed off, but the thing isn't that big. And I'm just rationalizing it like, oh, I'm about to be on my period. Oh, da 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 da. Not even uh, being able to so readily correlate it to the fact that I'm going through what I'm going through like I'm mad at the I'm not mad at the fact that this person pissed me off I'm not mad at the fact that I missed the train I'm mad that I miss my mom Mm -hmm. and I think for me it was hard to kind of come to terms with that because I really always like I said prided myself on being a person that just never got angry like Mm -hmm. I wasn't mad life was not hard like there was nothing for me to be mad at and so I think my understanding of anger it's so different because a lot of times when you don't necessarily go through things or don't go through things like this heavy, you know, for people who haven't experienced it, anger is treated as a a primary emotion when it really is a secondary emotion and it's tied to something different. Exactly. Like I'm angry because this, but the core is something different. Yeah. Like I feel like something you were saying, like, I feel like I saw you tweet this or say it a couple times. Just like, how is the world still like moving? Like, and mm-hmm. my mom, like that. I feel like that was a lot of what there was too when I was younger. The anger, like all these kids are just still acting the same. Like all these people, like just want me to be normal and go to school. Like fuck that. Like I just was like, what? Like yeah. this yeah. is my life is not normal right now. So like, yeah. <laughs> that's this. Yeah, I felt I felt like that is all tied into. Like I felt that. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's easy to, and obvious, and honestly, I think it's a bit um, excusable sometimes to fall into that 
uh, victim mindset. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense because it's like, okay, well, why would this happen to me? Why would that happen to her? How is this happening to my family? Why is this my life? Right. And also from the standpoint of looking at other people, it's like, damn, the world really goes on. <laughs> yes. And how and why. And it's hard to rationalize that because feelings aren't human. <laughs> I mean, feelings are human, but there's so much deeper than that. And so a lot of times it's hard to grasp all of those things and put them together and make it make sense because it's a situation that just does not. Right. And for you, your your situation is unique because you lost your parents, you know, nine months apart. And I want to, I kind of want to pry into that a little bit, if you don't mind, because I was reading a book and it was saying that, you know, for people who have dealt with that, like back to back deaths like that, the second one tends to be harder because you're grieving both. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's other things going on. Of course. Would you say that that was the case for you? Hmm, That's interesting. Yes and no. Like, I feel like at that age, I just remember it feeling like a, oh my God, like, here we go again, like, type of feeling. Like, it wasn't like a, like, a, like, this is so much work. Like, it's weird because it also speaks to, like, the relationships I feel like I had with my parents when they were alive. Like, I was definitely closer to my dad, so. Okay. I, I mean, it was the first death, so obviously it was the more, like, okay, like, monumental, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I remember, like, my mom, I was, like, crying with my mom, like, hearing about it. So, yeah. like, just hearing about her, it was just, like, yeah, it was a lot. But I don't I don't think that hers was any more, it didn't make it any worse. It was just kind of the same level for me. I okay, think. so it kind of all existed in the same room. Well, I'm happy to, obviously, the situation sucks, but I'm happy that it wasn't compiled right. for you. So, again, just talking about how young you were, because I, like I said, I just can't imagine, and yeah. I'm so sorry. Obviously, our views on death, in in life and everything change as we get older Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people don't experience death that young like that's not that's not the norm right because I'm sure most of your friends around you either had both parents or one parent you know and because of that I'm just curious to know you know for somebody who's so young how do you conceptualize death or how did you because you had two situations with both Mm -hmm. your parents happening back to back with the subject that most people at 12 do, they know what happens, but they don't understand it. And I think that's a big part of what obviously makes somebody like angry and like depressed is like, I, I was, no one was helping me understand it. Like it was just one of those things where like, you know, you're in a black family and like, they're not, oh, you know, therapy's like not, you know, no. like, so it was just, I felt like I wasn't getting my like, I wasn't being mentally and emotionally, like, nurtured, so I would just, like, I'm sure I was, like, turning to, like, the internet and, like, trying to figure out, like, what the fuck goes on when you die, and, like, mm-hmm. I do remember, like, even though it was years after, like, I was at Westchester my freshman year, I'll never forget, there was a period of, like, four months where I couldn't sleep at night, I was, like, on my laptop researching, like, what happens when you die, and, like, scaring myself every night to the point where Wait, I- you said at college? In college. Wow, so six years post- Losing your parents. I was going through like just like a second wave of like grief and like this weird, it was a lot, but I do feel like I was suppressed when I was younger. Like I just didn't want to appear like upset all the time. Like a lot of my like grief was done alone at night, like crying in my room, like because everybody around me put on this like strong front. Like I had all these like black women around me who were just strong and like, you know, not that anyone ever outwardly said don't cry, but it was just like that energy of like, okay, well, like yeah. everyone else is packing their shit up and figuring it yeah. out. So I don't know. I just felt like I had to be stronger and like I was being like encouraged to just like move on or whatever, but I did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I feel like once I was like on my own in college and I had like my own like space to like think, it just kind of like was, it came back around for like a second time. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger in high school and I was telling my therapist that I wanted to like so like sell harm and like thinking about suicide and all that stuff and she told my stepmom and then I went to therapy like one day and like had like intake and I didn't want to go back anymore but I'm just like I feel like somebody should just force me to go back but I didn't really start going to consistent like therapy until college so that's like wow. I just feel like my whole childhood was just like I don't know just 
trying to put it all in the back burner, trying to just appear cool for everybody or like not trying to upset people. Like it's very complex. Like a lot of the things that happen. Like I was like after my parents died, I was taken in by my dad's, I guess ex-wife, like she's my stepmom, but they were married before I was born. So it was just a whole thing of like, I don't want to, like, feel so, like, upset, like, about my mom, and then they feel how they feel about my mom, and I just yeah. feel like my mom just did not yeah. get, like, now that I'm older, like, just learning more about her, and just, like, sad, it's sad to say, but I've learned so much more about her, you know, now that she's not here, like, on my own, just trying to talk to old yeah. friends, or, like, my family, like, you know, I just feel like she just, yeah. like, you know, deserved more in this world, and they both did, like, but definitely her. Like, I just feel like, I just wish that she got to experience, like, the kind of love that I get to experience. Or, like, you know, it's just, that part makes me angry, too. So, it was just a lot going on when I was a kid. Like, oh, like, my stepmom and that side of the family probably hates my mom. And, and it's and it's interesting you felt a certain sense of loyalty towards your stepmom that you had to, or felt like you had to repress your feelings. Do you know where that came from? Was it because she took you in when you needed it? It was that. It was a mix of all that. Like, it was that. Also, the fact that, like, you know, my stepmom's grieving my dad on top of all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they weren't together and all these things, she was still married and had kids. With mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, like, I just didn't want to upset the situation. Like, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot in my, in my young years. Like, just to be very transparent, my parents were on drugs and you know they're honestly their death stem from like the long periods of drug use but I just remember like they have this vivid memory of being at my stepmom's house and like they put me and my sister into a car and everybody was like arguing my stepmom my mom my dad like I was like what's happening but I mean now that I'm older you can kind of like assume that it was just some kind of like domestic like argument like type of thing so I've just always felt like okay they don't like my mom like after that she wasn't like allowed to come around (laughs) so it was just like they don't like her and like this lady's being nice and taking me in so I just really feel like I shouldn't like you know ruffle that feather but yeah that's why it feels so like I feel so connected to my dad like spiritually a lot and I just feel like my mom is like she's she's had like a hard way to go in life so I don't know I sense that she's having like a hard way to go on the other side too which is like weird that I feel that but yeah well I mean let's talk about it what's your what are your views on the afterlife in general I don't know I definitely obviously believe wholeheartedly that there is heaven and that there you know we can connect to them spiritually I just feel like I'm not that great at it (laughs) Like, I just, I don't, like, have a lot of dreams. I don't, like, connect to their spirit a lot or see them, like, and I have a lot of different thoughts about it, like, again, like, the thought that I have is, like, maybe it's just, like, their spirits are just, like, not fully, like, developed in a sense, like, they weren't super religious, like, I wasn't going to church or anything, so I don't know if that has, you know, it's just all these thoughts that I've had since I was a kid, but overall, I do feel like, in general, I believe in it. Like, I would go to a medium right now. Like, you know, like, yeah, because I just believe in it. I do tarot. Like, and sometimes I've obviously tried to use my tarot and like connect, and sometimes it works. But yeah, like when it comes to my mom, I just feel like she, like, I don't know. Like, I I sense her sometimes, but it's just like not as frequent. No, not as frequent as I would want yeah. us to. So, again, it's been 13 years since you lost your mom and your mm-hmm. dad, because I want to make sure that we're incorporating him. With, what's his name? John. Um, I want to make sure that we're incorporating both of them in the conversation. You, I'm sure you've seen people that you love, or just people in general, lose people that they love since the beginning of your understanding of grief. Yeah. What is that like for you when you see a person lose their mom, lose their brother, lose their sister, da 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 Because I feel like it's happening kind of like rapidly lately. I feel like I know a lot of people who are in this predicament, even if it's not their mom. So what has it been like for you experiencing that for almost half your life at this point? Yeah, it's been a weird like <laughs> juxtaposition. Like on one hand, if it, it makes me feel less alone, which is like crazy. And, like That's real though. 
not it's real, but like it's just it's in my head that also takes me to I'm not hoping that people lose people. Like that's obviously not what I'm saying, but I just think that I mean it, it's gonna happen to everybody, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, it's very inevitable. We're we're gonna die. Everyone around us is gonna die. But like I don't know. It just it it just really is an eye opener because you I understood so much at a young age and like just watching people like grow up and lose their people. It's just like I don't know. It just I just feel such a like empathy towards everybody who's lo- obviously lost a parent because it's just like mm. I feel like I just was like this weird club leader in this club for like long time by myself so it feels like it's people there are people that are joining but it's just like I don't know I don't know how I feel about it it's just it's weird it's it's unfortunately normal like people are gonna lose people but I feel less alone and I also just feel especially after the pandemic and everything it's just like there's like I don't know there's clearly some sense to be made of it all and I also feel like you know it's a lifelong journey for us all like there are new things that I'm sure I can take away from other people's experiences. Like, so I do think it's also like more opportunity for learning too. And just like seeing how other people grieve. Yeah. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast, the idea of having that community. And I always say that too. I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm happy that like I lost anybody, but it does feel and the word nice kind of feels very nuanced when talking about it. But it does feel comforting to know that other people have experienced the same thing and that I am not so alone in the way that I am feeling. Again, though, you know, I mean, I commend you for still being here and alive and active at 25, 26, because it's been eight months for me. And I'm like, I have no idea how I am surviving, let alone if I was any when you said that, it just like I remember. It's like I weirdly remember, not all of them, but a lot of like those milestone like months and like years and like I don't know. I just I feel like I just for my mom specifically since this is a podcast about moms. Like I just feel like for her specifically, I just really want to do like more. Like I just feel like, and it's a whole other thing with like all my sisters on her, my mom's daughters. Like I just. There's a lot going on. I don't even talk to half of them. It's just so much. Yeah, everyone's hurt and like nobody knows how to really grieve and we weren't taught it. And it's just like, I'm grateful that I was able to find healthy ways to grieve and go to therapy and all these things. But like, I don't think that they see these things in the same ways that I would see them. Yeah. So, So, okay. So we have this first wave of grief. We have the second wave of grief. And now you're 25, 25, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty five. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how a little bit about how that second wave of grief was different from the first, and also how mm-hmm. how you're feeling right now is different from how you felt in college. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so I don't know where that like that period of time where I couldn't sleep and I was just researching death and where people go. Like, I don't even know where that came from, but I just knew it lasted way too long. Like, I remember, like my brother called me and was like trying to talk me down. I'm just like, cause I was clearly telling people cause it was just so like, why can't I sleep? Like I'm going crazy. Like, and that's what really pushed me to start going to therapy. Um, I definitely look at everything totally differently, obviously than I did when I was 12. But like, I think that second wave, like in college, like it was just a lot of like purging emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately I'm not friends with this person anymore, but like I had a friend notice that like, I, I just, I feel like for a time I couldn't cry. I wasn't emotional. Like, and I feel like it has a lot to do with like my stepmom is kind of really like not emotional at all. So I kind of like learned a lot of those types of traits from her, not the healthiest, but you know, and I had a friend who was literally trying to like crack me and like, you should you need to cry. I need to like let all this shit out. So I just feel like that was kind of what college was just like this show that I had built living with my stepmom and like, not really opening up about my mom and not really, not really it's like expressing my grief or going through it as much as I probably needed to when I was like a kid. So I just remember like sleepless nights in school, going to therapy weekly, like just, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I also just feel like it gave me this sort of like, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but I feel like it's giving me some sort of like obsessive compulsive disorder too. Really? I'm diagnosing myself, honestly, but like, it just like, 
I'm very hyper aware of a lot of things because I had to be when I was young. Mm -hmm. So now, like, I feel like I'm in a totally new space again with it. My grandfather, which is ironic, he passed away in 2019, which was 10 years after my mom and my dad died. So that was kind of, like, monumental, too. Like, he was honestly, like, one of the only, like, parental figures I had around that I, like, really enjoyed being around and cared about. That whole thing was another sort of, like, breakdown, but I was old enough to, like, speak my mind. So I remember I was, like, cursing my cousins out. And, like, like I just don't do, like, especially when you go through something that young, I just don't do, like, the funny shit anymore. So I just remember cursing people out. Like, I don't even talk to, honestly, any of them on my mom's side anymore. This is my mom's dad who died. Okay. Okay. But like, yeah, so I don't know. I just feel like I'm just super hyper aware. Like I'm at an age where I'm just trying to like, I guess, not compress it, but just kind of like calm it all down, find more balance and peace and reasonings. Because I feel like for a long time, I was always, even though I was the young, I'm the youngest out of all my siblings. I was just always trying to like put everyone back together and like, why are we not sisters and why are we not close? And just like working through all of their fighting and like trauma and like, I'm at a place where I've, like, just given up on, like, trying to figure everybody else out. And I'm, like, really just trying to, like, hone in on me and, like, what I need to keep moving forward. Because we have been through a lot. And, like, but I can't save my sisters. Mm -hmm. I can't. And I thought I could for a long time. Because, I mean, I'm like, we're just, we've been through so much. We can do this together. And it's like, no, like, everybody grieves differently. And I've, I've had, like, a, like, a, like, a front row seat to that. Like, seeing my siblings and how differently they reacted versus me so mm, wow <laughs> so at 12 mm-hmm. obviously a lot of mothering that you still need and I mean I at 26 feel like there's a lot of mothering that I still need yes. honestly yes how did you conceptualize the type of person that you wanted to be without that central mother figure mm. well again like I feel like a lot of it when I was growing up at my stepmom's house, it was a lot, a lot was unhealthy because, you know, my step, like the situation was just what it was. Like my dad cheated on my stepmom and me and my older sister was a result. I don't know. I feel like it was a lot, a lot of that was stunted. Like I got, like there were a lot of women around me. So I was like taking things where I could take things from. Like there was, but there was no like coming in my room and like sitting with me and like talking things through or like, like I remember getting my period and like, I don't even remember. I feel, I just feel like I was, I'm so hyper independent now because I had to really figure all that shit out by myself. Like I did a lot of self parenting, which is why I feel like, I don't know. I felt so exposed coming into like my twenties. Like I can run wild. Like not that I was a hoeing, but I mean like it was just, you're in college. So it's just like, I'm like experimenting with all these things, like meeting all these new people and like still like occasionally having a breakdown or like, you know, my mind was not all the way right, you know. I still feel like there are days where it's not. I feel like I'm just now getting to a place where, like, my mental is starting to, like, somewhat settle and, like, things are clearer now, like, now that I'm a little older. But, hmm. yeah, I just think that a lot of that was stunted. Like, I didn't get a lot of mothering in. I had to mother myself. And, like, I do have, like, a living grandmother. Like, my mom's mom is still alive. But the relationship that they had was very, like, volatile and my grandmother like argues a lot like it's with other women in the family and I just never wanted to be involved in that so I think from a young age like I gravitated towards like all of my male like members of my family much more than I like related to the women Mm. because there was the void of my mom but even when my mom was here she wasn't as prevalent as my dad was like to be frank like when they were you know indulging in drugs or whatever like he was kind of more so like he would do it home just like go somewhere else in the house whereas she would like be out like she would have to go out with her friends and be doing it out so I just always had that slight like "Eh," about her like "Mm." I see him more than I see her so like I don't but it was never on no like oh I don't care like f her like I just was like always really excited whenever she was home so it's just weird now that I'm like like, after she died, it was just, like, I feel like I have to, like, learn so much about her because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. And my grandmother was really no help because she – everyone's just been through so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, my grandparents lost all of their kids before they passed. Mm. 
So that's a whole other thing within itself. Like my grandmother's a very like stoic and like, I don't know how to explain it. She's she's very stern and very like, that's not what I needed. And it's still not what I need. And I really don't engage, unfortunately, with her. Like after my grandfather died, like I just kind of just not, I didn't talk to anybody on that family. And I don't know, it's really weird. Cause like the reason why I'm so, like I've been so like curious about my mom and like, why this podcast was so interesting to me is because like, for me, like that mother slot is just so like intricate and like weird for me. And I don't think it was ever fully filled. Like I have like so many like mentors and like old teachers that I used to call mom and like filled that spot for me and like other friends, moms. And like, even when things went downhill and like, I would, I don't know. I just feel like I would try to like find it wherever I could, like little pieces of motherhood, but then I would get disappointed because I feel like I have that internal, I have that from my own mom, like where she would disappoint me. So I expect other people and their moms disappoint me. So it's just a cycle, but I don't know. I feel like I haven't worked through that enough. And I think that this is helpful in the sense that like, I do realize that like, there's a lot of like mothering I missed out on and like, I don't know. It's a lot. And thinking about me wanting to be my mom, a mom myself is like so much like, who do I even turn to? Yeah. I get <laughs> so it's a lot, but the long story short, like, no, I don't feel like I was mothered by a lot of people. I had to do a lot of it by myself mm-hmm. and just get bits and pieces from where I could. But Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said earlier about, you know, your mom not being home a lot and you just being excited for her to be around. That moment mm-hmm. that you realized that she wasn't coming home again what did that understanding mean to you? Like, did, is it something that you were able to rationalize immediately? Did it take some time to come to grips and to terms with it? See, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to fill all these gaps. But like, so in a way, yes, like it was, it was hard. But I don't know, I just feel like it was harder losing my dad because he was the more stable parent. So it was kind of like, okay, well, like now, like we have nowhere to go. But before my dad died, he was still alive. My mom had like a really bad stroke that she survived, but it was maybe a year or two before she died. Okay. And she, like, and I feel like I knew then, like I was going, we were going to lose her at some point soon. Like I just didn't know my dad would go first and then it would be a whole thing. But yeah, so she was like in rehabs. Like she never really fully came out of that situation. Like two years later she died. She died like while she was still in like a nursing home rehab situation but she had a stroke and that was a whole like thing her recovering it was like a brain situation like I remember we were so young I don't know why they were bringing us in these rooms but she had just like had brain surgery I think and was just trying to recollect her whatever and she wasn't speaking she couldn't speak all she had was her eyes were open it was so much and I remember me and my sister walking in and like she didn't she can't speak but I just saw her eyes light up and like she was kind of like pointing at us and it was just like okay like so it honestly felt like I I lost her before I even lost my dad it was kind of just like all right it was kind of like hers was a build-up my dad was more instant so that makes more sense to me like that okay like she was already getting to the point where like you're sick and you're paralyzed now because of the stroke like there's I don't know so you were kind of prepared um okay so and my dad was like keeping y'all together so when he was like getting sick it was just like oh yeah like so the next question that I'm gonna ask you is because I'm trying to be real and not insensitive um and if it comes off that way please let me know and you don't have to answer it but I've talked to some other people whose parents have died uh because of addiction or as a result of it and everybody kind of has this sentiment that when their parents passed from their addiction they kind of felt a sort of sense of relief Um, Mm. not like, oh, I'm happy that my mom died. I'm happy that, you know, my dad died more. So like, wow, I don't have to deal with this disappointment anymore. Is that something that you feel is related to you? Definitely. Like now that I'm older, like obviously it's, it it doesn't really, it's not a thing. Like I'm, I'm grown when I'm an adult, but definitely when I was a kid, like those were feelings that I was dealing with. And I felt guilty a lot of the time for feeling those pains. but yeah, like I, I, like, because of them, I had been through a lot already before they died. Like, them dying was kind of like, it sounds fucked up, but like a cherry on top of the a traumatic childhood in general. Like, we were, 
never stable somewhere. We were always moving place to place. Again, they were high a lot of the time. So it's like watching them argue Mm -hmm. was sometimes volatile. Like, thank God I wasn't by myself and I had a sister there. Even though we don't talk at all now, which is like interesting. But yeah, thank God I had somebody there. But yeah, like it was, it was in a sense pretty relieving. Like it was obviously sad, but like, it was like, yeah, like I don't like, I don't have to worry about all this shit anymore. I can just worry about myself. Yeah, And like, even with like going to college and like, like when you were technically, I was an orphan. So I didn't really like have to pay anything myself. Like a lot of it, I have a lot of loans obviously, but I was offered more because I was an orphan. So I'm like, you know what? This might be like a blessing in disguise. And I remember saying that to myself a couple of times, but like, no, not really. But in a way, like, I'm sure if they were still here, it would have been much more harder for me to leave them or like get money, but more so probably leave them. Cause if they're still alive at this point, I'm thinking they would be like sick or like, at a point where someone needs to take care of them. Right. And judging by, like, how my siblings have turned out, I probably would be the one facing the brunt of all that. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, yeah, it's kind of relieving, like, yeah, that they're not here. But, yeah, again, it's such a big trauma. Like, Well, as, as I'm sure you learned, you know, in college and then probably beyond, community is so important. And you've lived a life where you've been kind of forced into hyper-individualism. How do you get to a space from being hyper-individualistic to understanding and accepting the importance of community? Um, it's still a work in progress. Like I, I think I have a lot of trust issues when it comes to family in general, but also just like I get triggered at a lot of like mother-daughter relationships, like not necessarily like, for example, not with you and your mom, but just like other, th- like, I don't know, like it, it's, it's just... I'm sorry, it's like an ongoing process. Like, I, I think that that's one of the things that I need to tackle now is just, like, I can even see it, like, in my relationship, just, like, not wanting to accept, like, help or, like, oh, like, you should go by yourself. Like, no, we should use this for something. Like, just, like, not feeling super okay accepting help all the time. Yeah. Because I've done so much by myself, gotten so many places on my own. So just letting a guard down, like, having people help me and, like, accepting all these things and and now that I'm like in a more spiritual and adult place I can like kind of be like all right well clearly this was a blessing brought from God and my parents like at this point I feel like they're all working together <laughs> like that. there's no way like I just feel like I would not be where I am like I could be somewhere like my sisters like I'm the only one that doesn't have kids which is they're a blessing but like yeah you know so like I just feel like just I've just been carried and like I believe because of how, not even gracefully, but just how I've been carried as opposed to my siblings. And I just feel so blessed. I've lived a lot of life. I've seen a lot more than they have seen. I've, I've experienced a lot more. Like, my mother and father never went to college. Like, I don't think they've ever been overseas. Like, I just feel like I've, I'm breaking, like, a big, like, generational chain here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, there are, I I am, like, just really blessed that, like, I'm in the situations that I'm in, and, you know, things could be worse for me, so. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the front of noticing that my life is different after losing my mom, in this, obviously, Mm -hmm. but in the sense of achieving things that I've been manifesting for a long time, seeing that come quicker, Um, Mm -hmm. and I have a hard time saying, okay, you know, I'm okay with what happened, because now I have this, you know, for me, it's, I'm not there. Um, I think that that's real. And I think that, uh, thank you for your candor, honestly, and just being real about how you felt in such a real way that I think, again, a lot of people feel, but it's, people just don't talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love earlier, you brought up, you know, that you have ways of coping and and healing and healthy ways, um, like therapy. I would love to hear if you have any other means that you'd like to share. Well, I should be journaling more, but journaling usually is a big outlet for me too. <laughs> and honestly, like I've never looked at it as it at, as this, but now that I'm older, I'm like music has really taken me like so many places, like just making different playlists and like, like as, as opposed to whatever I'm feeling at the moment, like, yeah, like I just feel like music has really been, a good therapy for me as well. Like 
it's weird, but I, I guess I'm just connected to music in that sense. Like, my grandfather loved jazz, so I feel connected to him when I play jazz. And I have, like, a playlist with, like, songs that, like, my dad and my mom liked, so I feel close to them when I listen to those songs. So it's, like, that helps a lot, too. It's more, like, subconsciously, but, you know. Yeah. It's nice to have that, too. Yeah. But, no, I think I'm definitely in a place where I want, like, I've just gone through so many different like changes and developments in my life. Like I feel like I want to settle into the person I'm becoming and like find new ways. Like I feel like I I need newness at this point. So I do like really want to like find new ways to channel like my trauma and grief. And like, I really want to try yoga and like meditate more like meditation. I, I don't do it a lot, but it is something that has helped me before too. Okay. Um, whether it's like self-guided or like going on YouTube and like finding that. But yeah, I think I could do more with that. But yeah, music and therapy have been helpful. Well, we are all a work in progress. Sunny, um, this has been an amazing conversation and so eye-opening to me. Thank you for teaching me just more about understanding grief and about yourself. Yeah. Um, before we go, is there anything else that you want to submit to the conversation? Um. I don't know. I feel like I have a question for you. Like, how do you, I was talking about this with my boyfriend and it's just funny, like the ways we talk about heaven and like what we think it is. Like, do you have like your own perception of what you think it is? Like, do you think everybody has like their own like mansion somewhere? Like your mom's just like building a house, like waiting for y'all. You know, like It's so funny because I know the concept of the mansion is there in heaven is very popular uh, in Christianity. I grew up Christian. My mom is definitely Christian. Um, and I remember, and this is, this kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier, talking about earlier about being able to see things and experience things spiritually and dreaming and all that. And I've been fortunate to have a lot of dreams about my mom. And I remember one of the first dreams, I think it was really a premonition that I had about my mom was the most beautiful mansion I've ever seen in my life. And again, I'm not a person who's religious, so it's not like, oh, I'm reading this text and, you know, it's kind of coming to my mind. I don't know where the hell it came from, but it was like this beautiful mansion and it was literally like all gold and like really just rare materials. Like I had my own room, my grandparents had their own room, like everybody had their own room and it was beautiful. And in the dream, I just remember running up the steps. They were like granite steps, like this beautiful stone and like I said it was made out of like like gold it was it was beautiful and then I've had another one um I I think it was like the same night where she had an apartment and I was with her looking for apartments and it was beautiful like the the vibe was beautiful it was just very hazy it was gray but it wasn't dull and and boring and depressing it was just very calm and peaceful and, you know, through it, you like through the clouds, you could see these pine trees poking out. And there was just a whole bunch of people filing through. And there was a woman who was a realtor and she handed my mom uh, an application. And I said, mom, are you sure you want this to be your forever home? Do you, are you sure you want to sign off on this place? Because you haven't even asked daddy what he thought. And she laughed at me and she said, she, she laughed at me and she said, she like kind of smirked at me too. And she was like, he's going to like whatever I like. And I want to make sure that this is ready for him by the time he gets here. So yes, this is the space for us. And then I woke up. So I definitely think, yeah, I've had some really poignant dreams. Yeah. And that's been really exciting for me and and super powerful. And so I I definitely do believe heaven exists. Am I getting in? I think I'm still working on it. Um, But it, 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 yeah it was beautiful um that that experience was beautiful and I remember bringing it up to my medium and her response to it so that's a really long way to answer your question but I definitely because of that experience I believe that it exists in that way okay well yeah that's interesting because I feel like we always talk about it that way so it's like it's it's also like whatever the vision that you have for it is probably what it yeah. is. Like, yeah, so. yeah. I guess we all have our own individual perceptions of heaven and that is mm-hmm. what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But Sunny, before I do let you go, I want to um, know if you have, I know you have a podcast, if you want to promote that or anything that you have going on. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So you can find me um, on Instagram at Miss Sunny Morgan. So M-S and then 
Sunny Morgan. Um, and then I also have a podcast with two co-hosts called the Almost Adult Podcast. You can find me there. We talk not a lot about grief there, but we do talk about it a lot there because we do have, you know, me and like my other co-host has experienced losing her mom. You know, I might recommend you to talk to her if you want. Yeah, I would love to. That'd be interesting too to see. But um, yeah, so the Almost Adult Podcast, you can find us at the Almost Adult Pod, P-O-D on everything. Um, and yeah, that's it. I would say just stay tuned, though. I might have my YouTube channel coming back in. Period. We love a, a humble flex. But, <laughs> well, Sunny, thank you so much for joining me today on Damn, Mama. Really? I hope you had a great time. Again, I had so much fun learning about you, and I just can't wait to, you know, see what you have going on. I know that I'm rooting for you, and I know your mom and your dad and your grandfather are as well. Thank you. And you too. Thank you. I know your mom like is loving what you're doing right now. So and you're helping a lot of people. So thank you. That's the beauty of it all, I guess. Like if you always have to find some sort of positivity in it, but good things always come from shitty things yeah, too. True, true. All right, Sunny. Well, that's it for me. And I guess I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Right. See you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review and a comment. It's super, super helpful to us. And as promised, there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by Liliana Rasmussen coming up in five, four, three, two. Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel this sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain, and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow, instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One. Full breath in. And let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, inhale deeply and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas, really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow and don't stop them, just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good, you're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place like on top of a gorgeous mountain or somewhere you frequently go like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. 
Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants, or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow, or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you're ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.